Welcome to the show about your kid's secret life, an inside peek at what today's kids are really doing online and with technology. Each week, you'll hear the latest trends and get tips to keep them safe while keeping your sanity. So here are your hosts, cybersecurity experts, best-selling authors, and parents of four teens, Lisa and Chris Good. Hey everyone, welcome to the show that lets you see behind the curtain of what today's kids are doing with technology. I'm Lisa Good. And I'm Chris Good. Well, we told you about the toilet seat licking coronavirus challenge. You know, on social media? Say that three times really fast. Yeah, toilet seat licking challenge. It looks like several kids have gotten sick and actually ended up in the hospital with this one. Please make sure your kids know this is not good to do, even if you have wiped the seat with a Clorox wipe. And just to add to the coronavirus social media challenge insanity, we've now got kids going to grocery stores and coughing on the produce and on other shoppers while filming so they can upload to TikTok for their five minutes of viral fame. You can't be serious, really? Um, I'm very serious. So some kids in Virginia were arrested for this. The police decided to give them community service, but they could have faced a felony charge. They all had to be tested for the virus to make sure they didn't actually infect anyone they coughed on. So tests that should have been used for sick people were used on these pranksters. Plus, the grocery store threw out all the produce they coughed on. So there went all that food that people need. Yeah, not to mention the anxiety and stress they gave to the people they did cough on. I'm telling you, if one of our kids did that, community service would seem like Disneyland for them. They'd lose everything. No phone, no games, no social media. It'd be like back to the Flintstones, baby. Should be. Well, right now, most of us are in the middle of either safer at home or or shelter-in-place orders. And the news cycle is non-stop coronavirus. Now, if you aren't careful, you can find yourself sucked into news surfing. And if you're not paying attention to what your kids are doing, they can also get sucked into news surfing. And that can have a serious and lasting negative effect on them mentally. I know. I'm going to admit that I should not surf the news every day and read the coronavirus updates, especially before bed. I'm well aware that this is a very serious situation, especially for older people. You know, my mom is in an assisted living facility and on oxygen. And I know if she got this, she wouldn't survive. Not to mention your granny. Nope, not a chance. You know, she's in good health except for her knees at 90, but I don't think she'd survive this either. And reading that hospitals nationwide are now discussing considering those who die who need to be intubated or go into cardiac arrest because of the virus, even if they don't have a DNR, well, that just upsets me. I mean, what if our 14-year old or our 16 year old gets this and they need to go on a ventilator are they just gonna let them die am i supposed to be okay with that Ugh. and i've also noticed that when i've surfed at night i'm not able to go to sleep i can't shake those awful feelings so i find myself up watching comedies just to pull my mind out of the rabbit hole it's running down yeah well maybe i need to unplug the internet at the house before dinner and then hide the firewall so you can't get back on well you don't have to go that far i don't think that's necessary i'm now on where I'm only checking the news once a day and I'm setting the timer on my Apple Watch so that when it buzzes my arm, I know the time's up and I have to turn the news off. All right. Well, there's nothing wrong with staying informed, but with our kids at home, we need to practice restraint and balance. We need to balance our surfing and news consumption, not only for our health, but for theirs. Not to mention the sanity of those around you. You know what the easiest thing to do is, right? 
Yes, I know. Just hit the X on the web browser and shut it off. Exactly. But there's other things you can do online, like productive things. You know, ones that don't suck the energy out of you and make you feel like everything is hopeless. I know. So right now, with everyone stuck at home, there's tons of creative and educational things going on online. People are finding new ways to use technology to replace some of the in-person connection that we're losing. You know, and there are tons of teenagers using the video conferencing app Zoom as a makeshift social network. And art galleries, comedy clubs, all of the places that were forced to close by the virus are now streaming their shows instead. I mean, even musicians are giving quarantine concerts like Bon Jovi. Who would have thought? And there's a new Instagram dating show. It's called Love is Quarantine. I'm afraid to ask, but what is it? Well, it's based off the Netflix reality dating show called Love is Blind, where contestants are isolated in windowless rooms called pods, and they have to speak to each other through the walls. These dates are part of an experiment to see if a lasting emotional connection can be forged between two people who've never set eyes on each other. I'm not sure if I should laugh or cringe. Yeah, exactly. Not something I'd be interested in. But hey, I know these guys out of New York, they're trying to replicate the show virtually since the new coronavirus has many people stuck at home. So how does this work? Well, in Love is Quarantine, the pods are cells on a Google spreadsheet. The dates are phone calls. And each season lasts only one one night. Oh, like a one night stand. Yeah. And the guys out of New York, Mr. Lamb and Mr. Nix, are the ones doing all the matching. Viewers at home can follow along on their Instagram account where the creators post updates from their cast members. Okay. Well, you know, I'm sure it's interesting and it's probably really funny, but if you have college-age kids, you may want to have a chat with them about not participating in this. You know, this could open a Pandora's box to stalkers, as well as information that you don't want shared publicly posted everywhere. There's just a lot of privacy issues to consider before participating in this. Now, we get it. Everyone's going a little stir-crazy being stuck at home, and we're all looking for new ways to keep our sanity. So, here Here are some suggestions from our friends and family on what they're doing right now. And hopefully some of these will help you too. Muting group chats with panic-inclined friends so that they can avoid being interrupted every time one of them sees a new story about the virus. Only checking the news or surfing the news online once a day, and especially not after dinner or before bed. I'm working on that one myself. Calling family members or having the kids call family members, as well as FaceTiming and using Zoom with family when we can. And then we've got those that are creating a Zoom happy hour meeting with friends that they'd normally go out to dinner with. Learning how to play Xbox games with the kids. Uh, Reading books they haven't got around to because they didn't have time. Um, Then there's people like me cleaning and organizing the house, making it cozy since I'm spending so much more time here, and doing all the little tasks I never had time for like sharpening the knives or cleaning out the junk drawer. Now what are you sharpening knives for? You don't cook. Now, having the kids write handwritten letters to family members. Now, I let them pick a topic they want to talk about, like a school trip they went on, a recent family vacation, or even a place they want to visit. Another one is, I'm teaching my kid how to play chess and beating him every time, and it feels great since he kicks my butt at video games all the time. Oh my, that sounds like our house. (laughs) We know that this is a difficult time, but the best thing we can do is to try to keep a good attitude and make the most of the situation. You know, our kids are watching how we respond 
respond during this time. And like I always say, more is caught than taught. Our actions and how we are responding to this situation will stay with our kids long after the virus restrictions are gone. Yep, I agree. You know, you mentioned that a lot of people are using Zoom. Kids are now using it for socializing and some schools are using it for remote learning. I just want to step back for a minute and give parents a heads up on making sure that their kids are using Zoom safely. You know, teenagers have jokingly referred to themselves as Zoomers for years and now the name is literal. Like overnight, Zoom has become the social platform for millions of people and while the stock market is going up and down, Zoom's shares have soared, valuing the company at $29 billion, more than airlines like Delta, American, or United. And with virtual gatherings booming, everyone is jumping on Zoom, but they aren't checking out the privacy policies or checking security features. Harvard University, like many schools, has canceled all their in-person graduate and undergraduate classes, and they're now conducting them via Zoom. A common joke among college students is that they all go to Zoom University now. It's all the same school, there's just different price tags. <laughs> That's actually funny. I mean, I know it's not funny to the parents or students who are writing the check for that education. Yeah, there's even Zoom University merchandise for sale on Amazon. <laughs> So I get it. You know, these kids are trying to adjust to their everyday life coming to a screeching halt. It's hard and they're using Zoom to attempt to replicate some sense of normal life. Everything they're used to doing in real life, even parties and beer pong nights, have found a new home on Zoom. There are even Zoom-themed drinking games for their Zoom parties. They've adjusted the popular game Never Have I Ever to Never Have I Ever Left Quarantine. Now, while I feel for these kids, they should be careful embracing Zoom without being aware of some of the privacy issues. If you have middle or high school kids, then that responsibility actually falls on you. Here's some details on Zoom's terms of service that may be cause for concern, especially since it's covered with legalese. But first, the standard Zoom privacy policy allows data to be shared for targeted advertising, which is what all companies do. However, with Zoom's policy, it doesn't state which data is shared, and some of the standard terms aren't consistent with FERPA, the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. With that said, as of March 18th of this year, Zoom has created a separate K-12 school privacy policy, which does seem to be better than the standard policy. So I guess they knew they were going to get called out on it terms, and they actually did something about it. You know, I'm sure they saw it coming. But even with the new school policy, here are a few things I don't like. They have the typical, we're collecting your email, your IP address, what kind of device you use, how long you're on the service, how you use the service, where you click, etc. But then you toss in this. Some of our collection happens in the background. That is, it's automatically collected when users interact with our products, but they don't say what is collected in the background. And then there's this little piece that really bothers me. We use per personal information collected from and about students only as needed to deliver the functionality of the Zoom platform, operate our business, and for use by school subscribers at their direction as follows. We may use all of the types of personal information that we collect for the following purposes to the extent permitted by our agreements with our school subscriber customers. Hmm. So basically, to really know everything they're collecting on how they're using that data, you'd need to see the contract that they actually have with the school. That is correct, and I don't think you're going to get that anytime soon. You know, Zoom wasn't created to be used by kids. It was designed for businesses, for conference calls and business meetings. Yep. 
And that leads to another interesting feature that most don't know about. What's that? Well, for workers using this software during business hours, Zoom also includes a feature that can track some aspects of whether a participant is multitasking on a computer and then report that back to the host of the call. Oh, so my boss or the person who hosted the meeting or webinar will know if I'm surfing the internet, checking my email, or doing any other work while I'm on the call. Yeah. So Zoom's able to spy on you. I'm not surprised. No, me neither. But the bigger question is, how does Zoom know who is a worker and who is a kid? And is it providing that kind of information to the school about your kids? Well, is anyone at the school looking at that? And is that information going into their record? In the situation we find ourselves in today, Zoom should make it very obvious when this setting's turned on. Some people are going to be extremely embarrassed or could lose their jobs. Not to mention that, as a parent, I want to know if the school is monitoring my kid in this manner. There's also content concern, especially with kids now living on Zoom. They're bound to have some kind of content moderation issues, you know, like what Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram have. The kind where people have posted suicides, shared child pornography, and they've used platforms to live stream mass shootings and other crimes. Well, if you think about it, the trolls of the internet are under quarantine too, and yes, they're looking for Zooms to disrupt. Yep, we're already seeing it. The trolls are jumping into public Zoom calls and using the platform screen sharing feature to project their graphic content to the meeting participants. They've actually forced hosts to shut down their events. And it's got a term now. Oh, okay. What's it called? Zoom bombing. Oh boy. Here's one that made the news recently. Chipotle was hosting a virtual hangout called Chipotle Together. They had a famous musician on as a co-host and it was going great until one participant started broadcasting pornography to the hundreds of attendees. Ouch. Now Chipotle was forced to end that public Zoom and send an apology email to all the attendees. And in case you're wondering how in the world does that happen, it's actually really easy. On Zoom, there's a default setting that allows any meeting participant to share their screen without permission from the an event's host. Then anyone who has a link to a public meeting can join. Yeah, links to public Zooms, they're traded in Facebook groups, Discord chats, and they're easily discoverable on Twitter and public event pages. Here's what we recommend even if you or your kids are going to use Zoom, especially if they're the ones setting up Zoom meetings. And you can also pass these tips along to other parents and co-workers. So the first one is the meeting host should change their settings so that only they can share their screen. Number two, you can also make events invitation only, which we highly recommend. And three, if you're hosting private meetings, password protections are on by default, and we recommend that users keep those on to prevent uninvited users from being able to join. Uh, this will keep the party crashers and trolls out. Now, I personally love Zoom. I've used it for several years, multiple times a week for various meetings. And with our current safer at home state, it's getting even more use. But just like everything else, people are finding ways to make mischief. It's up to us to make sure that we're keeping our kids safe, which means we need to know what's going on. Now you know, go check those Zoom settings and have a conversation with your kids, even your college age ones, and keep everyone, including yourself, safe and secure. Well, stay tuned for our next topic. Wouldn't it be great to stay up to date without being overwhelmed? It's possible and easy. Just sign up for our free cyber alert emails. We take the guesswork out of knowing what's going on with kids and technology. We provide the essentials that parents, grandparents, and adults working with children should know in today's digital world. Just visit yourkidssecretlife.com forward slash radio and sign up today. Hey everyone, welcome to the show that lets you see behind the curtain of what today's kids are doing with technology. I'm Lisa Good. And I'm Chris Good. 
We are living in interesting times and most parents have found themselves in uncharted territory. Not only are you working at home if you can, but you also have the kids at home with you all day, every day. Well, that's a scary thought. <laughs> now, most of them are doing some sort of online learning, but hey, let's face it, that doesn't take all day. No, it doesn't. And it also doesn't take the place of the after-school programs or activities that they were involved with. And I know the kids are saying, I'm done with my schoolwork. Can I play my games now? And if you're like me, it's easy to just say, yes, yes. So you can get back to the work you're in the middle of. And then the next thing you know, you look up and it's been four hours. Yep. And you think, oh my, they've been gaming for four hours. Now look, don't beat yourself up or feel bad. The truth is, we've all been there, had it happen, or will have it happen. It's just part of life. And our goal as parents isn't to be perfect. No one is, and you'll never attain that. The objective is to do the best we can. So you know I'm not a huge fan of spending lots of time gaming. I think kids should live in the real world and do things that will help them. Not that I'm totally anti-games. And you know, we have four kids. Four. Two boys and two girls. And we let them play games. We have time restrictions. And we aren't always perfect with that. I just want to be real here. Now, the thing you have to be aware of is the chatting when playing their games. Because most kids don't want to play a game by themselves. They want to play and chat with their friends. Or they want to chat with the other players who are playing the game. And, you know, most of the time that's strangers. And that's where the majority of the concern comes in. There are multiple chat platforms that gamers can use, but the two most popular are Discord and Twitch. Now there are others, and it seems like new ones come and go every couple of months. Oh yeah. Now with the rate of new online games and kids gaming, everyone wants a slice of that pie. Well, you know, there's a lot of money to be made if your platform takes off. You get money from advertisers, you can sell the data, plus you can charge a monthly fee for your platform. So let's go back and talk about Discord. According to their website, Discord is a new way to chat with your communities and friends. It's the easiest way to communicate over voice, video, and text, whether you're part of a school club, a nightly gaming group, a worldwide art community, or just a handful of friends that want to hang out. You know, I love how they list all that other stuff you can use it for, and the reality is it's really primarily used by the gaming community. You know, they boast they have over 250 million players. Good night. That's a lot of players. Yep. And it's free. Users can access the app on computers, smartphones, really any device with internet access. Now, Discord says it's designed for ages 13 and up, but that doesn't stop kids that are younger from setting up accounts. Oh, oh, and they have a monthly paid version called Nitro. It's around 10 bucks a month, and it lets you customize your profile with a unique tag or username, access animated emojis, upload bigger files, and some other cool techie stuff. Well, what kid wouldn't want to have a unique tag or access to animated emojis? I mean, come on. I know, right? Now, I just want to back up a second to the age. I know it says for 13 and up, but I've talked with parents of 10-year-olds that have set up an account for their kids, not realizing that what they were opening the door to. I know. And what we've seen on Discord chats has varied from bullying, obscene language, predators grooming kids, and even some pornography. As cybersecurity professionals, we get it. We see it every day. So for us, when it comes to the internet, we just expect that this type of stuff's going to be there. But it's not something that most parents think about or would expect in their kids' games. Unless you're a tech geek like us or you're paying attention to the news. 
And you know, even kids who have a PlayStation are able to use Discord. All they need are the controllers that have the keyboard adapters and they can chat. Now most kids... And adults prefer using a headset where they can play and just talk. And most kids that are using the keyboard are the ones that their parents have either told them they're not allowed to chat or their parents don't know they're chatting. Are you saying the kids are sneaky? Well, I'm just saying that I can remember being a kid and I know I did things that I knew my parents didn't want me to do. Yeah, I know. Thankfully, we didn't have the internet and online games. All we had were those Dungeons and Dragons books. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying that with kids... Where there's a will, there's a way. Here's the basic rundown of how Discord works. Kids can add friends, join a server chat by logging in with a code provided from an email invite or from a friend in real life. They can also send direct messages to other users as well as chat, talk, and listen in to larger group chats. Oh, and there's this nifty feature they can use when adding friends that lets them locate other Discord members who are near them. Near them? You mean like... Strangers? Yes. So, if your kids are using Discord, you may want to check and make sure they have the location features turned off. Another thing to keep in mind, if your kids are playing a game and they are using a headset with a microphone to chat, anything you say or anything going on in the background is actually being recorded and heard by the other players. Oh boy. So, if you and your spouse are having a heated discussion, uh, that's what we call a uh, disagreement in our house, while your kids are gaming, everyone can hear that. Now, if they're playing Minecraft, Call of Duty, or Fortnite, that could actually be millions of people. Ooh, that's a whole lot of people listening. And this could also end up on a YouTube page where it will be available for others to watch and listen to you in the background. Something else to keep in mind. Now, I still can't figure out what the obsession is with kids watching someone else play games on YouTube. You know, I don't get it either, but I guess to them it's entertaining. Well, before we go any further, I do want to share some some comments about Discord from parents and then some comments from kids. So Henry, father of two, says it's the groups, not the app. The app is great. No ads, easy to add friends. The problem is in the groups your kids join, not the actual app. It's going to be your kids or your fault for letting them get through to that group. There is a setting for an NSFW channel if you're in a public server. And if you want to go to it, it'll ask if you're 18 or over. And of course, children can just Press yes and just continue. Yeah, let me let me mention what NSFW stands for. That's not safe for work. Ooh. Which means if you're on a work computer or a smartphone, especially one that your employer gets internet history reports for, you shouldn't go to that server or join that group because it could get you in trouble or fired. Especially since most employers have policies about what you can and can't do on a work device. Alrighty then. So Mary, mom of one, says this app is easy to download without parents' approval, which is what my 12-year-old daughter did. She plays Minecraft. I've read the chats for the group she's a part of, and I'm shocked and horrified at the level of sexually graphic content she has been subjected to. This app needs to be strictly monitored if used. It can be a stepping stone for pedophiles to groom young children. Hmm, that sounds pretty serious. Well, it is, and it can be. Not every parent is against Discord, because there are security settings and other protections that you can put in place. 
Jesus. Here's what Jason, dad to five, has to say. Very well done app, but be careful for younger users. You can design an entire private server from the ground up, which will let you allow only your kids, real friends, or family members to play. There's definitely a lot of inappropriate content on certain servers, but in all honesty, that's the entire internet. The best things to do are make sure you have all the settings for security set up, only allow your kids into private servers with close friends, or public servers with strictly family-friendly content. Overall, good app, but it can lead to inappropriate content if handled incorrectly. So, we have a mixed bag from parents, which is normal, but what about the kids? What do they have to say? Here's what Mike says. I love it. I'm eight. And I got banned from Discord. But it's still good and so, so fun. Can't wait to get back on. See, I told you that younger kids could get an account. So how did he get banned? He was playing Minecraft with a group and chatting with some older kids, most likely adults. I'm not sure what it was he said, but he did mention how old he was. And then someone on the group chat turned him in to Discord and they banned him. Ooh. And they have a policy on their age. They just don't verify it. And they aren't actively policing it either. However, if someone turns you in, they will shut you down, which to Discord's credit is the right thing to do. Well, I agree with that. So here's what Anna, a 17 year old has to say. Yeah, um, it should be 16 plus. I've been on Discord for three years and it's filled with adult content. People sell nudes on Discord, which is truly disgusting. If your child is under the age of 15, monitor them. If your kid has Discord, please check their private messages, DMs, and the servers they're in. Wow, a kid actually said that? Yep, I know. Surprising, right? Well, not really. There's a lot of kids who really just want to have fun and play games. They're not looking for bad content, and it bugs them, too, when it shows up. Now, before I give you this next young person's opinion, please know that this is strictly their opinion, and let's keep in mind that kids are, well, kids. Alrighty, Lucille, who is 16, says... First off, accept that your child is not an angel. Accept it, accept it, accept it. And for heaven's sake, stop flaming discord just because your kid is a perverted, hormone-driven donkey. With that off my chest, whoever lets kids younger than 13 chat with strangers, even with monitoring, needs that kid taken away from them anyway. But let's face it, your 13-year-old knows curse words. Just because they act innocent around you don't mean they are. If your kid joins an NSFW server, it's probably because you may made your porn in impossible to access for them. Your child doesn't get cyber abducted and put in a group with perverts who prey on them. They choose to go there. Ouch. Yeah, I warned you about that one. But I wanted to give everyone a range of what parents and kids think. And it's not surprising that all the kids are for it. Nope, it's not. But we have to remember that for kids today, this is their world. They don't know anything else. Here's another point to consider. When we were growing up, everyone wanted to be a sports star actor or musician because the thinking went, oh, it looks like so much fun. You can get rich and famous and you don't have to work that hard. At least that was the thinking. And then shows like American Idol and The Voice popped up and they took those feelings, amplified them, and gave kids a chance to grab that dream. Yeah, without having to run all the way off to Hollywood. So today's kids have a new set of dreams. They want to be YouTube stars, Instagram influencers, have their own reality TV series like the Kardashians, or they want to be full-time gamers. Kids think that all these things are easy. It's the new way to get rich and famous and not put so much effort into it. 
At least that's what they think. This is where it's our responsibility as parents and adults to have conversations with our kids about how unrealistic this as a life goal is. For every high-paid full-time gamer, there's hundreds of wannabe paid gamers. Many are spending every penny they earn in pursuit of being sponsored or getting into a tournament. And one of the dirty little secrets for full-time gamers is that they collect a huge portion of their revenue directly from their followers. Say what? Now, that would be your kids and their friends that are watching these people play on Twitch and other places. You see, the followers, and I think they should be called watchers because that's what they're doing, but they can tip them directly with one-time direct payments. You know, like you'd leave a tip at the restaurant for the waiter or waitress, or they can pay for a premium subscription, which gives them perks. Hmm. So in 2019, there were only two Americans in the top 10 gamers, those who do it full-time and make millions. And one other interesting thing to note on these guys, and I say guys because the top 10 are all guys, is that the bulk of their earnings come from advertising, which is no surprise, and sponsorships like Red Bull, Nike, Microsoft, Sony, and donations, which are the tips that we just talked about. And the life of a pro gamer isn't all fun and games either. The ones that make the big bucks practice at least eight hours a day every single day, and most of them specialize in just one game, which is how they get to be the best. They practice and then they watch replays of their own games so that they can analyze the strategies. Then they also watch other players' streams so they can learn their weaknesses and then exploit those in tournaments. They're almost like professional sports players. Yeah, like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady. Yeah, except these guys are couch, well, chair potatoes. And these are the ones that make it pro. These are things that you should be talking about if you have a kid who's serious about gaming for a career. You know, I would have them do a research paper on how many gamers there are, how they get paid, how long it takes to go pro, and how many people don't ever make it. I think I'd position it as show me why you think this would be a good way to earn a living and what the industry looks like in your chosen career field. Um, that's a bit sneaky. Well, you know, sometimes we parents have to do what we have to do. I mean, and really, you're just having them investigate a career path, just like they do for any other field. The bottom line is that you have to be actively engaged in what your kids are doing online. And not just with their social media, but also with their games. Yep. Well, that's all we got for you this week. So have a great week, and remember, you can do this. Thanks for listening to Your Kid's Secret Life with Lisa and Chris Good. To submit your questions, sign up for our free cyber alert emails, or for information on today's show, please go to yourkidssecretlife.com forward slash radio. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Your Kid's Secret Life.